want to say hello to everybody watching online, listening, driving down the road. We always, uh, I got several messages this week, like, hey, I'm up in, in Knoxville. Hey, we're on the other side of the country. We're listening. And so we love you guys and are so thankful you're, you're tuning in and what God's doing all, all over the place. Um, and I'm thankful to be here. The, we've been on a series called Anxious for Nothing for the past month. Really, we're going to wrap that, that journey up, Anxious for Nothing, today. And uh, if you haven't been with us, just to catch you up, we've been really dealing with the thought life of a believer. That as sons and daughters, like uh, we're, we're not afforded the opportunity that we're not going to still fight in a battle, that we, we're waging in a battle. And, and most of the time, that battle is going in our brain. It's going in our thoughts. And, and so God has called us to, to be victorious. And he's got a victorious life for us. But it really starts and a lot of times ends in, in our thought process. And we're, we're all doing kind of going through the same process. We're fighting the enemy of distraction from keeping Jesus at the center of that. Like we're we're all fighting that. And we talked about how uh, the nearness of God is really, um, uh, is afforded to us, for us to be able to live in his joy and to be able to cast out anxiety. Because I, I, I hope through this that, that we've made it clear that the reality is that it's not like we're, we're not going to face anxiety ever. Like we're not going to have stresses come on. In fact, we are but we got to know what we have access to, and that's the nearness of God that brings us joy uh, and brings us hope. Um, so today we're gonna we're gonna round it off by uh, finishing this series with a message called "Turn Down the Noise." Turn down the noise. Everybody say when we turn down the noise. Turn down the noise. Um, I remember when um, I was a, a, a young kid. I was probably in elementary school, and I got my first CD boombox. You guys remember that? That CD boombox. You can remember what it looks like. Some of you are like, you remember your Walkman? Some of y'all remember that first eight track you got in the car? I'm not calling anybody out, but we all kind of grew up with different. So I remember when I got my first CD boombox and got it in my room, but I didn't get any CDs. So that, I don't remember getting a CD. Maybe I did soon after. But uh, what I do remember is um, I, I went and found one of my mom's um, CDs that I didn't think she was listening to very often. Um, my mom's actually here with us today, my, my mother-in-law as well. So <laughs> thankful for, for y'all. Um, but the CD I grabbed was Yanni's 25th anniversary live at the Acropolis. <laughs> Come on. Some of y'all know some Yanni. Got some Yanni lovers. Gardner Minshew ain't got nothing on that right there. Come on, the original Gardner Minshew. Um, no, and, and I would go to sleep at night listening to Yanni. And if you've never heard Yanni, it's just like super busy instrumental music. Like who can fall asleep to that? Because uh, it's just like, let's add more music to it. And it's like the, the epitome of noisy music. And, um, and so I think, I don't know how it happened, but um, I don't know if mom and dad just realized that's weird that our elementary school kid is listening to Yanni to go to sleep. But uh, I ended up with some soundscape CDs. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like I know they didn't pay for these. They they got them free somewhere. It's just like atmospheric music. And so I got these atmosphere and that's what I began to fall asleep to. And so really ever since I've feel like I've been addicted to noise. Uh, I can't fall asleep without the TV on. And this is drove Taryn nuts for the first couple years of our marriage, but now she's over it. And now it's just part of, part of our life. And, and, and I feel like now, like it's just noise everywhere. I, I go to sleep with noise. I, I wake up to the sound of my kids fighting, and then I hop in the car and get the music up loud. I get the podcast on, and then I go step into a meeting, and it's just all day, every day, it's just, it's just noise, like audible uh, noise. And um, 
Uh, it, Taryn can tell you this story is true that when we first got married, I would keep the TV on like a volume four. Um, and I told her, I'm training my ears. And I don't know what I was training for. Um, it was really stupid. I don't know if I was subconsciously training to be like an international spy or something. I'd watched one too many Bourne movies. I was training my ears. So I would listen to it at a four that was like somehow supposed to help my hearing. Um, but after all these years, years of playing music and working in studio stuff and rehearsals uh, and having three children, I cannot hear it at a four anymore. I can barely hear it at a 24. Like I feel like my hearing has been damaged by all the noise. I don't know about you. Like I think most of us, we wondered, like, why did dad need the volume so loud on the TV? And now I know. We are the reason he needed the volume so loud. We had damaged his hearing in such a way that he could not hear anymore. Um, and, and I'm guessing in some way, shape, or form, like you can identify with the noise of life. And, and maybe it's not even the audible noise. Maybe that's not the season of your life, but maybe it's social media noise or TV noise that's always on in the background. Maybe it's relational noise with your marriage and your relationships or your friends. Uh, maybe it's work noise that there's always deadlines and responsibilities and pressures on you that like, I just wake up with it and I go to bed with it and it never seems to escape. I can't escape the noise that's going on in my life. And I think that the great tragedy of that is we've got all this noise that's really drowning out his voice in our life. And uh, I really want to preach this message entitled, Turn Down the Noise, because frankly, I need it. I, I feel like there's many things I'll get up here and I feel more than a conqueror on. And there's other things that like I am working to uh, bring this practice deeply into my life because I know it's something that Jesus teaches us to and has for us. And so I'm hoping that I can take us on a, on a journey and slowly, somehow, we can find these moments in which we peel back the layers of noise, of emotional noise and work noise and thought noise and see what the life that Jesus truly has for me. Jesus leads us in this path. And last week we were in Matthew chapter 4, many of you will remember. Matthew 4, on the temptation of Jesus and the parallel account for that, an identical story with just minor detail shifts, um, are, is in Luke 4. And so it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry, temptation, and then flip over to chapter 5, and I want to read two verses from there. Jesus has begun his ministry, and the crowds have pressed in. Like, he is, like, hot out of the gate. Everybody wants his attention, and he feels the pressure and responsibility to carry this forward. And then he's discipling people. So he's, he's got crowds and he's got small groups and he's healing people one-on-one. Then we get to verse 15 and 16 and we see something unique that is where I want to begin us today. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to uh, hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew uh, to lonely places and prayed. Lonely place just means private place. Some translations say wilderness. Jesus often withdrew. In fact, the Gospels affirm this very statement. In Luke chapter 11, we see that Jesus wants to escape the noise just to be alone to pray with the Father. In Luke 6, uh, the next chapter, we see that Jesus escapes to be alone to contemplate situations and to make important decisions in his life. And Mark 6, we see Jesus escaped and went off to a quiet place to rest. 
and to be refreshed from the daily grind of his ministry. Um, In Matthew 14, Jesus escapes to contemplate and to process life's challenges and deal with the very real emotions he's battling. And we see towards the end of his time on this earth where Jesus escapes to the garden to pray, knowing that he's about to suffer greatly. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And if we're going to turn down the noise in our life, that we might hear his voice in the midst of all our anxieties and stresses, of all of our work noise and family noise and relational noise, our thought noise, our media noise, to turn it all down. We've got to do a few things. And the first is we got to prioritize being alone with God. We got to prioritize being alone with God. Like if creator of heaven and earth, uh, Jesus Christ, in whom is fully God, and whom everything that was made was made in and through him, if he needs to escape to be alone, how much more do we? How how much more do we need to get in a, a quiet place to hear his voice? But often we're filled with excuses for why we can't or won't do that. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is sitting among Pharisees. Often we point to when Jesus sits among the sinners. And this time he is invited by Pharisees to sit among them, a religious folk of the time. And uh, they're asking him about the the great feast that is to come. And and Jesus uh, tells them a story, as he often does. He teaches through story. And and he says, there is this one man who had a great feast. He had a great banquet, and he wanted to invite a lot of people. So he sent his servant out to invite all these people, but the servant went out, and every person that he came to had an excuse for why they couldn't attend the party. They couldn't attend the feast. And the, so he comes back to the servant, and he tells him this. And, and the people give, like, some terrible excuses. Like, you and I can come up with far better excuses than what they gave. The first excuse was, uh, hey, I, I just bought a field. I need to go look at it. Like, like, I need, no, Jesus, I can't come to your feast, you know, master. I can't come to your feast because I need to go watch the grass grow. It's a bad excuse, right? The, the, the next one was like, hey, I just bought five oxen. I got to go get them ready for work. And the, the third one was, hey, we just got married, you know, and just got a lot going on. We can't step aside for the feast. And, and so when the servant comes back and tells them about all these excuses that people are making, um, uh, the master and who is Jesus, who is God the Father in this story, um, he said he was angry, like furious. And he says, forget it. He said, go out and go into the highways ahead and, and, and compel people to come in. Like find whoever will come to this party. We're going to have a party. And the, the last verse in that, in that section says that um, the, the master said, uh, Jesus is telling them that all these other people who made excuses, they will not get an, even a taste of his banquet feast. So I I say all that to say, be very careful from the excuses you're allowing in your life. Because Jesus kind of drops the hammer there at the end of the story. It's like all those excuses will keep you away from the table. And we're allowing them to keep us away from the table. Because if we'll turn down the noise and we'll escape and prioritize being alone with him, there is a feast that is prepared for us. That we can dine on that will fulfill us like nothing else that we think and prioritize in our life will fulfill us. But he will fulfill us. And he'll do it in the quiet place. And in fact, I, I find that so many, like these Pharisees who were known for doing 
the external matters of the faith. They, they were known for doing all the right things, but often in the private place, they neglected true worship. They were faithful in everybody's eyes, but when it came to the private things, they neglected things like justice and mercy and worship to God, true humility before God. And I find that, that we too often find ourselves in this place like these Pharisees in which we're doing all the external things. We're doing all the public professions, like we come and attend, and we want to get involved in a group, and we want to serve, and we want to do all those things, but we're neglecting our private life with God. And we're making excuses for why we're neglecting it. And so we've got to be very cautious of this. And so what are we going to do? I think the first thing we've got to do, we've got to make a choice that we're going to develop our private life with God, that we're going to start a private life with God, not just church attendance, not just public what looks like I'm doing the right thing and saying the right thing. No, no, I'm going to start a private life with God. And I just want you to know that he, the master is waiting at the feast table and he's just inviting. He's, and he's just waiting for you to show up. So we got to make a choice that we're going to do this and we want this in our own life. And then I, I, you know how it goes. I mean, uh, if you don't make a plan, you know, put a plan in place, then you're going to just plan to fail. So I'd say you need to pick when and where. Like, we just forget. Like, you need a win and a where. Jesus often withdrew, and he withdrew, withdrew to a quiet place. I don't know what that win and where looks like for you. Maybe it's, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes before everybody wakes up in the house. Maybe it's the 30-minute prayer walk at the end of the day that's just you're withdrawing to a lonely place. I don't know what that looks like in your life, but I know that we need it. And I know that we need to put it on our calendar, prioritize it in such a place. And, and what happens when we do that? is when we come back from that place, everything is usually just as we left it. It's usually just as we left it. Like we go pray, God, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. God, I need my kids to stop acting so crazy. I just need, and then we go back into our work and we go back into our life. And then it's still just as jacked up when we left it. But what happens, Mark Batterson has a, a great quote that, or it's an equation rather, that a change of pace and a change of place equals a change of perspective. What happens when we slow down, we turn down the noise, we get in a different environment, a, lo- a lonely, quiet place. All of a sudden, like, we're not enamored by the anxieties of life. We're not enamored, we're not... Our attention's not on the noise. Our attention is on our creator, God, who is sovereign over all and is more than able to conquer whatever noise in our life that we can't turn down on a regular basis. And the, and the reality is that most of these noises aren't even bad noises. Like our friends, our family, or pressures at work, or responsibilities, like they're not going anywhere. They're still there, but we need to turn them down so that we can tune into his voice in the midst of it. But often we're just... We're just addicted to the noise life. And the reality is that we need this quiet time. Someone who knew well about this quiet time, who in his youth really spent a lot of time alone, is uh, who we would know as King David. And he reflects on that in probably the most famous verse in the Bible, in the verse, uh, in the chapter in the Bible, is Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes or restores my soul. 
he, he was reflecting on this. And, and the thing is, is that he's writing this as he's a king. Like he's as king as it gets for Israel. And he's reflecting back to his times as a shepherd. But he's not reflecting back to the fact that he was a shepherd. He's reflecting on the fact that he's a sheep. And I think as we prioritize this uh, private time with God, we're like, well, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What am I supposed to do with this time? Well, we need, the second thing we've got to understand if we're going to turn that noise is we've got to be okay with being sheep. Like that we're, we're called to be sheep first and foremost. We've got to submit ourselves as sheep and then that kind of changes the dynamic. I don't go into uh, the office with Jesus and be like, so here's the plan for today. Like, no, no, I'm here to be led, Lord. I'm just a sheep, and I need your care, and I need your protection. I know you're watching over. I need to remind myself that I'm under your care and your provision. As you can imagine, as the pastor of our church, most meeting environments that I'm in, I'm in charge of of those meetings quite often. And so it's always really refreshing when I can step into a room or a meeting or environment in which I'm not in charge. Somebody know what I'm talking about. It's just nice when you're just in a different dynamic. And, and nothing is more refreshing than that when I escape to the quiet place. And I just submit, God, I relinquish every control. And it's, it's, all, it's all yours. Like, lead, lead me, Father. Psalm 95 says this, 95.7, for he's our God and we're his, the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you would only hear his voice. If only we would just hear the sound of his voice. And, and you know how when someone calls you, you know, when you don't know them real well, you're like, well, they start talking and they assume that you know them. And then you're just playing along. like, I'm sorry, I got to ask, who is this? I didn't show up on caller ID. I lost my contacts. AKA, I never put you in. I didn't really want to talk to you. But like, I'm talk, we're, we're talking and, and we don't recognize their voice, but after we've known somebody for a while and we've talked to them a lot on the phone, we just recognize their voice. We don't have to say, hey, it's Kyle. I don't have to tell Taryn, hey, it's me. You know, like, she just knows my voice. And the, and the more often that we get away in the quiet place and we just today hear his voice, the more we're just going to tune ourselves to know what's God and what's not. And the more we do what Giancarlo just challenged us to do is know his word. We can know whether that's being spoken against his word, which God doesn't talk out of both sides of his mouth. We can know, is this God or is this not? And we can tune into that. It's, an, it's posturing ourselves with an attitude of submission. But most of the time, we just want to be in charge, and we just want to set the agenda for the meeting when really he's calling us to just... Just trust him that he's the one who will sustain us. He's the one who will take care of us. So those are the first two things we got to do is we got to prioritize in our life. And, and do you have a when and a where? And I'm not talking about religiosity. I'm not talking about legalism where it's like, oh, it's going to happen at 6 p.m. every single day. And when it doesn't happen, I'm going to feel guilt and shame and feel like I'm the bad follower of Jesus. No, no, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about just a, a desire that God... I'm setting this side at this, this time, and I'm, I'm making a choice to be led by you that I don't have to lead this show. I just need to, to follow what you are calling for my life. And the scripture says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I think the third thing, if we're going to turn down the noise in our life, 
is we need to rest in his provision and care. Like when we get there and we choose to, to be led, we just need to chill. We need to take a load off. Philip Keller is an author who wrote a lot about sheep and shepherds who knew them well and studied them well. And he said that, that sheep do not like to lay down easily. In fact, they have a very difficult time lying down for one of four reasons he, he stated in, in one of his books. And uh, here they are. He said, they won't lie down if they're afraid. Uh, they won't lie down if there's tension among the sheep. He, they won't lie down if they're bothered by flies or parasites. They, they just, they're just too distracted on the flies or, or if they're anxious about food or hungry. And I think these four Fs he gives us of, of fear and friction of flies and of famine are so powerful to reflect on our own lives that when we finally do get some quiet, then we just try to get busy again because we're addicted to the noise. The stillness bothers us. There is something deep and true about the gospel in your heart that causes us to just chill, to just rest And it's one thing to know it, it's another thing to be living it and to be embracing it, that where I'll actually lie down. And so just like sheep, we have trouble laying down. Matthew 11 and 28, what did Jesus say? He said, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll do what? I'll give you, I'll give you rest. And how often have we gotten a quiet moment and we fill it back up? How often have we come into worship with all the noise just blaring at full volume in our life and we don't come and get rest? We don't come and lay down the burden. We don't turn our attention away from the friction or the flies or the fears that are waging war inside of us to turn down. And then we leave exactly the same and, and the offer was still there, the table was still there, but we just couldn't lie down. We just couldn't rest in his presence. He wants us to lie down in his presence. Stop trying to prove something to him. Stop trying to like say all the right things. Do just, just get real and be honest and bring your burdens to him and, and he's going to bring us some rest. That he, He's got us. He's got us. We can rest in his provision and rest in his care. It says green pastures and when we think of green pastures, we think of a picture like this right here. Right, come on, sheep laying in a green pasture. Like that's the visual. It's a very American visual, and that's not the visual that David had in his head. David had a very different green pasture living outside of Jerusalem and in um, the Middle East in an arid climate in which they get, I think, like their average for years, like 21 inches of precipitation. Our driest year ever here was 31 inches. And we're not a, an arid desert climate um, this is more what David was picturing when he said green pastures. <laughs> Can you see it? Do you see the green? You, you kind of got to look for it a little bit, don't you? He, he, this is what he was uh, imagining, maybe a little more than this in some fields, but it wasn't all over the ground. That when we're led by God, he's going to lead us to the right spot to just lie down. And I think most of us, what we're longing for is that we'll have all the grass we need, all the grace we need, all the bills paid that we need. We'll have it all today. And God is promising us in in his provision that he's going to lead us to lie down 
in a green pasture that looks like this, so that there will be enough for what we need today. And you know what? He's going to lead us to another patch of grass in which we wanted to, we want the American dream of it, but Jesus is leading us to a place where the green pastures, it leaves us and keeps us trusting in his provision and care every step of the way. Do we trust the shepherd to lead us today? Do, do we trust him enough to lie down and rest in his provision and care? It says that he leads us beside quiet waters. This is what he wants to do. I, I love uh, the beach probably more than I love the mountains. I love the mountains a lot. I just love the views, especially when we've kind of been in flat Florida for a long time. It's good to get away and see the mountains. And, um, but but the, the water flow is different up in the mountains. I, there's just something about not the big rushing Ocoee River, Colorado River, but just the simple streams you hear trickling down a, a mountain. Those are always the, the most moving to me and the quiet waters that we find. Even as I began to write this message, I was sitting in a coffee shop and the music's going and I'm like distracted by two or three conversations. And when that gets to be too much, you know what I do? I put music in my ears with more noise. And eventually as I was writing this, I was like, well, this is so stupid. Why am I trying to write this in this coffee shop? And so I just escaped and just began on a little bit of a walkabout, a little strange walkabout. And I got my backpack and I'm just walking through San Marco trying to find me a quiet spot, and there's, there's construction over here, and, and, and I'm just trying to find the quiet waters, and eventually it leads me to the beautiful St. John's River. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Duval. We were, um, we were at uh, Wits the other day. It's like one of our favorite like frozen custard ice cream places, and and you guys know, if you know the Nelsons, you know we like some ice cream. We get it honest. But um, we were over there the other night, and we were sitting outside, and uh, there's people kept coming out of the, um, the, the next shop. And every single time, Camden, our, our five, almost six-year-old, would, as soon as they would walk out, he'd go, Duval, like, so random and so, so stupid. Here's, here's what I've learned about that Duval thing is you, you really become a, like a Jacksonville native. Like, yeah, this is my home when that doesn't annoy you anymore. Because <laughs> it annoyed me for several years and now it's like, yeah, that's kind of our thing here. <laughs> we like to annoy people. So anyway, so I, I, I don't know how we got there, but um, there we go. I found the quiet waters. I found the quiet waters in my life. I don't, I don't know what the quiet waters look like in your life, um, but I know that God wants to lead you there. He wants to lead you to a place that's quiet. And the reality is that many of us, uh, we lead other people in our life. Uh, and, we're, and we're all called to lead others um, into discipleship and to be followers and uh, lovers of Christ. And, and, um, but the reality is that we, we struggle with ourselves to... Um, really find the quiet place. Eugene Peterson says, how can I lead people into a quiet place besides still waters if I'm in constant motion? Just got to find a place to rest. 15 minutes in your car to just, no music, the drive home, the drive in. Like, I don't know what quiet waters look like for you. Some of them are going to be better at times than others, more serene and more um, and the others more dynamic in which we really have to discipline ourselves to be led in that time. But I know that God has something for us in those quiet waters. 
And it's just not calm. It's not just the noise but, or the lack of noise. Isaiah 55 says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Jesus told the woman at the well that if, woman, I've got water that you know nothing about. I'll give you living water where you don't have to thirst anymore. And what I've found is that when we discipline ourselves in the 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 10 minutes of quiet to tune in and hear his voice today, as Psalm 95 says, when we do that, somehow that begins to bleed over into the next two hours. That like we were listening and we were being led and I didn't really hear anything back, but then you know what? An hour, two hours, three hours later, it's just like God just confirms something in our heart and we just, we know that he's leading us. It begins to bleed into all of our life. So we've got to do this. If we're going to turn down the noise in our life, we've got to prioritize it. We, we've got to submit ourselves to be led of the Lord in the, in the quiet place, not just in the public place, the quiet place. You, you and Jesus. I often um, challenge our worship band and worship team with just a simple question. And I would ask you this question. If, if no one else showed up to worship today, what type of worship would take place in this room? Like, t- tomorrow, like, what kind of worship is going to take place in your life? What, what kind of desires are going to happen in your heart? Is it to, to know and be alone with God? And I know we're going to work through some of the excuses we're making and, and why we can't, but God wants to lead us in this time. I can't give this to you, but it's something that you can pursue with your life and you can develop this private life with God. And what it looks like today is not the same it's going to look like in 10 years. But we got to start and we got to make it a priority. And what does verse 3 tell us, that Psalm 23, that he'll do what? When he leads us, he's going to restore our soul. He's going to refresh us. We're not going to go back to our situation. We're not going to walk back into the house after the argument with our spouse. We're not going to go back into that next meeting after lunch when we're so stressed. We're not going to go in the same. We're going to be refreshed in the spirit. And if, and if you guys remember back, I'm, I'm doing a little imaginary thing, to the beginning of the series, and we had this big box, and on it I wrote spiritual life, and inside of it was all these things, our physical life and, and our, our emotional life, our relational life, our work life. All those things, what those are, he restores our soul. That's our soul. Our spiritual life is our soul. All those things get refreshed when we come to him and find him in the quiet place and we prioritize that and just lay down and choose to be led by him and trust and rest in his provision and care. He's going to restore our soul over and over again. He's going to restore your vision. He's going to restore your passion. He's going to restore the joy of your salvation. He's going to restore the right perspective of him on the throne as sovereign. He's going to restore a lot of things in your life and allow you to step back into whatever noise you've got to deal with with a whole different perspective. And I know, I know like you, just like you did, I came in with noise in my life today. Not all bad noise, just noise. And I know sometimes in this place it's, you know, it's like more, it's more noise, it's songs, and it's routine. But the next few moments, uh, what I want to lead you in is a, uh, I, w- I want to lead you in a change of perspective, in a time in which we just set ourselves in a place to, to truly hear God's voice today. I, I don't know what the noise that you're dealing with, something at work or 
some fears that won't let you lay down today, some relational noise that you just can't, you just can't tune out. But I know that God wants to, to lead you. And, and most often, we let the demands of life push us away from prayer and not to prayer. The demands of life must push us to prayer, not away from it. And right now, it feels like a foreign language, but if you'll begin to just step into this quiet place, if you'll just make it a priority, you're going to begin to learn the language. And it's what was a second, you know, second language becomes your first language. I believe that God wants to do that in each of our hearts today. The band's going to come and, and lead us here in a few minutes. Um, but uh, what's that noise in your life? It's not letting you rest. Have, have you established any kind of practice? I know many of you have, so, like many of you have not established this practice. But what I want to lead us in today is not only uh, the Lord's Supper and a way to come and declare his goodness at the cross, but I, I want to invite you to do something a little different this morning. And I, I don't know what that little different is for you. In fact, I, I don't care too much uh, what, the, what that is. But as we come and we partake in the Lord's Supper, as we take the bread representative of his body and dip it in the cup, as you turn back, and usually you would turn back to your seat, I just want you to not go back there. If somebody takes your seat in the next few minutes, don't worry about it. Like, just let them take it. Maybe you want to find yourself at the cross of the altar. Maybe you just want to find a wall to stare at. I really, I really don't care. I don't know if you want to just find a few seats over and just find a place to kneel or... I don't, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, I don't care. I think it's about a change of a place and a change of pace that God's going to restore something in our life. He's going to start a discipline. He's going to, as we all do this, we're going to move back past some awkwardness to go into the private place, that we can actually go into that private place together, that we're going there together and seeking his face. And I believe that he's going to restore something in each of us that we are not going to walk out the same that we came in. We're not going to be as worried about the friction that's going on. We're not going to be as worried about the flies that are pestering. We're not going to be worried about those fears that we walked in on. So I want to ask you to stand and I want to pray for you and with you before we step into this time. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you're here to lead us, God, that you don't leave us on our own to just figure this out. You don't want to leave us the same, God. I pray right now that you would turn down the noise in my busy mind. God, I pray that you would steady the anxieties of my heart as I just find rest. And even when the pasture doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, God, just teach me. Lead me, God, steady my heart. Lead me beside some quiet waters today. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice. And we... Declare it until you return. If you're a believer, a son, daughter, I invite you to come. Maybe you're making that confession for the first time today. Come and, and be made whole. But maybe just find yourself in a different spot. I don't care where it's at. I don't care what it looks like. Just a different posture, a different place. It's going to shape our perspective. The tables are open. Band, lead us.
Come on, let's step into his presence in the private place today.